I love it when someone who listens to this show and they go out and they put the strategies that I talk about, like, I don't know, make friends before you promote your podcast or service or start from where you are. And it's not the tech. And then they come back with a because of my podcast story. And today, Hilda followed her passion and it led to her joining a phenomenal community. But she knew that if you want to monetize, you have to solve a problem. So she went to her friends at this nonprofit and wait till you hear what happens and the adventure that unfolds. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. You can use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. I also want to do this little housekeeping up front. If you are a member of the School of Podcasting, I have changed the back end from basically Thinkific to a thing called Podia, and I need you to read your email. I've sent you a number of them that said, please read this, and then you can migrate over to the new system. If you have any questions, you can email me, dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Now, let's get to a quick tip. I recently started, or really I should say restarted, a podcast about my hometown, which is Akron, Ohio. I wanted to play in the local podcasting space. And I know we all want to grow our audience, but I'm here to tell you there is one advantage of having a really small show, or shall we say smaller show. And that is I've been getting around 30 downloads an episode. Again, we're just starting. And what was cool about it is... I went and I copied the Chamber of Commerce because I mentioned them in one of the episodes and I saw where they retweeted my tweet and hence the number went up a little bit. Not a ton, but it definitely was like, hey, that's more than last week. And so that's one of the things, a quick tip, if you mention any kind of brand in your podcast, so let's say you're talking about something and you go, actually, I think Wendy's has the best French fries. Well, tweet Wendy's that you just said they have the best fries. Whatever product is mentioned in your conversations, you might want to mention that or tweet out, hey, we mentioned your product in our podcast. And if you've said something nice, they might be more likely to actually share it with their giant brand. You never know. But it's something that you can try. Doesn't take more, but maybe two seconds. And it could actually boost your downloads. Today, we're talking with Holistic Hilda. I've known her for years. I met her at DC PodFest when she was the person that was kind of emceeing the room. And we've been friends ever since. And she's on the show today because she has a pretty interesting because of my podcast story that reinforces a lot of the strategies that I talk about. For instance, don't go into some sort of group and go, hi, and then just start pimping your podcast. You got to make friends with people so that they pay attention to what you're saying when you say, oh, by the way, I have a podcast. 
she has taken advantage of the opportunities that have come her way, and she's positioned herself as an expert in the holistic space because of her podcast. Here's my conversation with Holistic Hilda. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, Dave. I am so excited. I can hardly believe I'm on. Your show meant so much to me when I was just starting out and I had no clue what I was doing. Well, thank you. It's, I'm glad to have you. And uh, you started telling me this story in email and we're like, hey, we should record this. First of all, I guess, tell everybody, Holistic Hilda, what bubble do you live in? Health and wellness, alternative style. In other words, what can you do to get rid of a migraine without popping two aspirins or Advil? So it's all about natural living, putting our feet on the ground to calm our nervous system, getting outside in the sun, you know, eating whole real foods, all that good stuff. Great. And so that's kind of what you love and that's your passion and that's where you play. And you reached out to a company. Yes. So this is the scoop. I love this nonprofit. I was like, oh, they're about all the things I'm about, like food and farming and the healing arts, what they call, you know, things like chiropractic stuff and meditation. I was like, this is amazing. I love this group. And I wanted to help them. So I just became a volunteer at first where I would help people find sources of farms near them and where they could get real food and all this. And that was great. So there you go. She reached out and she made friends. And in the process, I realized, oh my gosh, these people should have a podcast because their information is so good. And all they had was literature. It was all pamphlets and brochures and journals and stuff. And to my surprise, Dave, (laughs) when I pitched the idea of a podcast to them, because I had volunteered with them and they knew me, they said yes. And then we were off to the races. Goes back to that old saying, people care about what you have to say after you've made friends with them. Because if you just walked in and said, hi, I'm Hilda, you guys need a podcast. they would be like, ah, who is this spamming idiot? (laughs) But because you came in and made friends with them, brought value to the organization, when you said, hey, I got an idea, they listened. So exactly a hundred percent. And it even goes deeper than that in a way, because not only had been, had I been volunteering for a couple of years, just wanted to point out, she didn't say a couple days, a couple weeks or a couple months. She'd been working with this organization for a couple of years because she loved the organization. But they asked for a volunteer to go to Kenya. And that's when I met this Maasai warrior. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to get this elder's story. So I grabbed my iPhone. This is before I started podcasting. I hit voice memo and started recording an interview with him. And it was when I was in Kenya that the idea hit me, this group needs a podcast. So When I got back, I presented the idea to them. And before that time, I don't even think they would have known what a podcast was, but I explained it's to get these voices heard and to share these stories. And again, they knew me, they trusted me, they'd seen what I did in Kenya and they were like, okay, but they didn't really know what they were getting into. I don't think I did either, actually. (laughs) Now notice she didn't say, hey, can you hold on to your story for just a second? I got to go get about a thousand dollars worth of equipment and I need you to come in my basement. It's been sound treated. She said, no, hold on a second. Let me get my phone. And I've done this. I have actually recorded interviews just using my phone and basically doing what I call a Bob Barker, the old guy from the price is right and sticking my phone in front of their face. And then I would stick it in front of my face and then I would stick in front of their face. And I would announce, Hey, I'm here in the hallway at podcast movement. So sometimes you just got to start with what you have. But basically they took a chance and I told them, 
you know, we'll just find sponsors and that's how you can pay me. I was thinking that would be super easy at first. Well, it was not. But one of the missions of this nutrition group, this nonprofit is to educate. And we have been fulfilling that mission through the podcast in unimaginable ways. I mean, here was a girl. I literally had no experience besides that one with the iPhone. I bought a microphone, got started, and now we're... 8 million downloads in plus we're in the top 200 of alternative health podcasts. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, it's amazing. And so, cause I always think charities and nonprofits, everyone should have a podcast because you're, like you said, they had pamphlets. What's kind of hard to reach people on the other side of the planet when you're doing it via pamphlet, cause you got to have their, (laughs) you have to have their address where a podcast, it goes global instantly. And then those people that are looking for that kind of stuff, it makes it so much easier to, to be found, how has the organization benefited from having a podcast? It's been unbelievable. I mean, we have listeners all over the world and not only has the organization benefited, they have growing membership. So when I joined them, I knew they had about 11,000 members. Now they're at 13,000. But even beyond the membership, they have people listening whose lives are being transformed who are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea, for example, that getting the sun was good for me and that sunscreen had toxins that could be harmful, you know? So it's these kind of things that they're getting their message out in amazing ways. And the reason I'm excited to talk with you about this, because I know your listeners, some of which are like, oh yeah, I want to start a show, but I don't really know what subject or, you know, I, I like this, but they don't know how to go about it. My suggestion is why don't you think about something you love and you're already a part of? It could be your national or a nearby community park, you know, or this ice cream shop you like to go to. And like you said, everybody can have a podcast, get to know them, volunteer, and then present the idea to them because who knows where you could end up. But I don't want to make it sound too easy. I also used mm. to work with a nonprofit, an exercise group, uh, I would say a Christian fitness organization called Body and Soul. And I said to them, hey, you guys should have a podcast because I was just getting rolling with this one. I was like, hey, I can do another. You know how it goes, Mr. Podcast Rodeo and all the other shows you've done. Mm -hmm. So I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. They weren't prepared to do so. They said, you know, we have other priorities, you know, maybe down the line. And I'm, hey, if they're listening, I'm still willing to do it. But what I mean is not every nonprofit you approach will catch the vision or be interested in it. Mm. What do you think the difference was between the group that said yes and the group that said, nah, not right now, maybe. Well, the group that said not right now felt like they were changing their whole business model. So they were going through a big overhaul and they couldn't see how a podcast could help them. Whereas the other group understood that they kind of had nothing to lose. If the sponsors Mm -hmm. indeed were going to help pay for the show then it was no skin off their nose or, you know, off their teeth. I always forget that expression. But anyway, I think the other group was just afraid. But really, as you said, it's so cost effective. And especially if you do this model where folks come alongside or maybe the nonprofit itself wants to sponsor the show, in which case you don't need advertisers at all. I I just think it the possibilities are limitless. Yeah, that's one of those where you start a podcast about the nonprofit the sponsor is the nonprofit and then how they make money is through either growing their membership. If it's a paid membership or donations or because sometimes what I've seen is you are giving a voice to people who can't be heard because they're in the middle of Kenya. And so you're getting these stories that you can't get any place else. And you're like, if you would like to help this person, 
because we always see the you know the all the commercials but now it's like now we're hearing the person that we see on tv and you're like if you would like to help this person because you can see that there's a need i would think donations would definitely go up with when you actually hear the the story oh yeah it's all about story it really is if the group is passionate about what you're passionate about you're Goals will align and it will be so fruitful. I One thing I like about doing it for a nonprofit is I don't have to worry about downloads. Not that any of us really should anyway. I think we should just be excited about the journey, not necessarily the destination. But it's just amazing also to get these letters coming to this group saying, wow, you know, I didn't know these things and now I do and thank you so much. And And then personally, I know you always have on this show the segment of Because of My Podcast, like I personally grown so much. Of course, I've become, you know, a podcaster that knows what she's doing, but I might've told you this before. Let me just say, so I met with someone years ago who said there are three points of view that an author can write from. They're either a sage, so they know it all, or they're a fellow struggler, or they're a signpost pointing to the experts. And I thought, oh my gosh, that works for podcasts too. You're either an expert who gets behind the mic and wants to expound on things, or you're a struggler saying, hey, I'm in with this with you too, you know, a young mom podcast or what have you, or you're a signpost pointing to the expert. And so when I started, I was definitely a signpost pointing to the expert. But now what happens with time that I didn't even know this at the, at the start is that the signpost can become a sage. All you have to do is think of like Katie Couric or Anderson Cooper, like there, or Oprah Winfrey, the person conducting the interview or you, Dave Jackson, <laughs> becomes the expert. And so it's really, it's really been amazing to me to see other opportunities. I speak now about health and wellness. I go all over the world actually. And it's like, wow, doors are opening, not just for the guests I have, but for me too. So that's been a blessing. So you said you get to to speak more. Are those people that, that you can definitely say, oh, they heard me on a podcast? Was it because of when you go to these places, they're like, hey, and you start building that relationship. And then later they say, can you come back and talk or where are the speaking gigs? Can you trace them back to where they're coming from? Oh man, I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> I think it's relationships. It's going back to what you were saying earlier. So I interview someone and then we become friends and we're we're cordial. We enjoy the conversation. I'm driven by curiosity. I'm not trying to brown nose them or get them to like me. It just happens in conversation. So we become friends. And the next thing you know, they're saying, hey, next time you're in Kauai, you know, come hang out. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> So that's some of it, the friendship bit. And then some is we do run in the same circle. So I will go to a conference with a press pass because of my podcast. And then I'm still mingling with the people I've been interviewing. And then sooner or later, like this last time I was at Paleo FX in Austin, Texas, I had the chance to moderate a panel. I was able to give a talk in Spanish. And so again, I went from the signpost to the sage on some level. And it's it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. You you mentioned earlier, you said, hey, I, I thought we would start off and we could get sponsors. And I, I think you kind of said we didn't realize how hard that was going to be at the time. So what are your insights about trying to get sponsors for a podcast? Well, this nonprofit, they again, they have connections, right? They have people that are investing in them already. They had this journal that they put out quarterly that they still do. And so in the back of the journal, there were a bunch of ads. So mm. we didn't realized quite how to go about it at first, but we started contacting the companies. Some of them back in the day were like, what's a podcast? <laughs> now, I think we invite them first to be on the podcast and later to get in the journal, because as you said, some of the print stuff is kind of dying out. But 
it just was a little bit more work than I realized. And now, speaking of work, so I only do this part-time for this nonprofit, right? So it became kind of onerous for me to be knocking on doors, even of the people we had relationships with. And then it's back and forth on the pricing and, you know, give me your copy and when should I run it? It was a lot to manage. So we found a third party now who helps us identify sponsors. And of course, they have to meet the criteria of this nonprofit. They don't like any seed oils or too much sugar, you know, all these things. So there's a high standard. But uh, the folks we're working with, this small company, they understand that and they work with podcasters kind of in the same space. So it's working out really well because we're generating more income than ever before. And nonprofits are usually nonprofits in every sense of the word. So they can really use that money for their purposes of education, research, and activism. When in doubt, you know, once you finally get a sponsor and you've got a, a trickle of money coming in, now it's where it's like, what do you pay with? The time or money, you're going to pay with one of those currencies. So you took that money, found somebody who could do this, you know, get it off your plate, which then frees you up to go back and do more podcasts. And have you found any sponsors or, or through your podcast, you know, you started this nonprofit, was there someone along the way that you've now like picked up another client? Yes, absolutely. So yes, I've started podcast coaching business. I've done some one-on-one, but I want to do a, a membership kind of group because and I think it's just easier to help more people at once. And almost like your podcast rodeo, I feel like when I'm working with one person and other people are almost eavesdropping on what I tell them, everybody wins. Have fun. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> membership <laughs> sites uh, can be, uh, they're interesting anyway you, you slice yeah. it. So, But just to be clear, I'm actually going to call the space like healthy podcast space because I want people to, I'm going to niche down. So I want it to be people who want to start a show in the health and wellness space and I want them to stay healthy and I want them to have a healthy podcast, you know, so it's kind of all the meanings of that word for them. That's what I'm going to work on. Well, Steve Stewart is like the king of financial podcasts. He was a financial podcaster, started helping other people start their podcast. And he's like Liberace. Like I went to FinCon once, I got to speak there and people would just say, oh, well, that's a Steve question. And I was like, Steve who? And they're like, Steve who? Steve Stewart. <laughs> and he's just, he's so well known because that's his niche. Then, and, and the great thing about that is one of the things you can do too as well is like I right now, I edit a podcast for brain surgeons. And I have no idea, what, like if they wanted me to edit for content, I have no idea what they're talking about. So when you are helping, if you're coaching people in your own little bubble, then you can help edit for content because you speak that same language. And that's one of the, the benefits that Steve had when they start talking about IRAs and all insert other financial fund jargon here. That's one of the advantages of when you kind of consult people in your niche, you can speak the language. And I want to go back to monetization for just one second. There was one young woman I coached. Oh my gosh. She was this beautiful young mom, African-American woman, and she wanted to start her show. And we were talking about how do we monetize, you know? And I thought, try to come up with an exclusive deal with somebody you love who loves you. So I think she had already been approached by some, you know, let's just say African Queen magazine or something, some beautiful magazine that was right in her niche of young moms and African-American women. And I said, why don't you say to them, just pitch them, say, hey, you guys can be on the ground floor of this podcast and be, you know, sponsor the first 10 episodes for $1,000 or whatever, or pitch to start a show for them. So again, you see, it's just a different model that I'm asking people to consider because, you know, I think people just feel like they got to slog through so much when maybe somebody's already paving a way for them. And it might be 
right under their nose and they just don't realize it. You like the nonprofit, so you started working for them. So I guess that would be have been the first time you reached out to them. What kind of pitch did you say to them to go, hey, I want to volunteer? Or were they just so starved for volunteers as long as you had a pulse you were in? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. No, they have volunteers all over the place. I was a face in the crowd. I really was. I wasn't that close with them. But when they asked for a volunteer to go to Kenya, I was the first one to raise my hand. And that's how they got to know me because that was such a big project to go there, to do some PowerPoint presentations in this small Maasai village, all these things that I started coming to their staff gatherings every other week. And then it was through that process, they really got to know me. And that's how I kind of won the right to be heard, as they say in some circles, so that they would actually listen to my idea about a podcast. But it could have just been for a season. The thing is, when I started it, I didn't know there were seasons. I didn't know you could just do a podcast for a season and see how it goes and then start again. So I was just like, okay, every week we're hitting it hard, you know. But that might be another way to pitch to a nonprofit who's not sure about it. They're like, well, we don't know if this is cost effective. We don't know if it's going to fly. I say, let's try a season and let's just see what kind of impact it has, you know, and then pitch them for 15 seasons, 15 seasons, sorry, 15 episodes, and then, you know, do it again the next quarter or whatever it is. But know that you can find middle ground, I guess. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. That's one suggestion I would give. And the other thing is you've got to make friends with fear. An author that I really admire, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Big Magic, she says, let fear get in the car, but tell fear you can't touch the radio and you can't drive. <laughs> so when I started, I literally didn't know what I was doing. I had a little ATR 2100 and a tiny little mixer and just was doing the best I could. And because I did it, not that I wasn't afraid, but I just had to do it anyway, because I knew this information was so important. And so if you let your passion and your curiosity drive you, you know, fear can hang out, but get them in the backseat. <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling because I hear that so many times. The people who succeed in podcasting often start not because they want to, but because they have to. It's like, no, this has to get out. I have to, I don't care if anybody listens, I just have to get this information out. And I hear that so many times that, and then followed by, I couldn't find this information anyplace else. So I decided to make my own. So that's up there too. So uh, everybody go over to holistichilda.com. Hilda, thank you so much. This is a great story. Oh, Dave, it's all because of my podcast and in part, thanks <laughs> to you as well. So thank you. Yeah, you never know what happens when you start a podcast. You might inspire someone who goes out to help others. And since we're talking nonprofits today, I thought I would read a passage from a book called Profit from Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Listeners into a Livelihood, where some guy named Dave Jackson interviewed 70 podcasters who gave their best advice and insights. And this is about nonprofits. It's on page 18 if you'd like to follow along. And if you go, hey, I don't, I don't have that book. Just go to profitfromyourpodcast.com slash book and you can actually get an autographed copy. But this is about Doug Parsons, who does a podcast called America Adapts, the Climate Change Podcast. So you can find him at americaadapts.org. He's been doing the show for three years. And after his first year, he wanted to take it more seriously and investigated becoming a 501c3 nonprofit. In looking into this model, there were many hurdles, including you have to form a board and other items that seemed out of reach for someone just starting. So Doug started researching fiscal sponsors. 
fiscal sponsors or organizations that already have nonprofit status and can take other organizations like Doug's under their umbrella. Fiscal sponsors take 6 to 10% of your charitable donations, which is less than some crowdfunding panel tools, and donations are tax deductible for your audience, which you can't say for Patreon, right? Doug ended up with the Social Good Fund. You can find that at socialgoodfund.org who have a mission to create and establish positive influences for individuals, communities, and the environment. Our goal is to sponsor and develop projects that will help positively impact and develop local communities into healthier and happier places to live, work, and be. They offer back-to-back office support, human resources, bookkeeping, coaching, and tools to make it easy to accept donations. One of the advantages of this situation is Doug always has immediate access to his funds with a project expense card. They have a great page that makes it easy to donate at americaadapts.wedid.it, which can be a one-time donation or it can be set up to be reoccurring. Doug has been approached by other climate-related companies who then partner slash sponsor episodes on Doug's podcast. So here again, the featured company gets exposure in front of Doug's audience. And these companies are primarily looking for exposure and to get the word out. There isn't much of a call to action in this case. They just need to get their message out there. And Doug gets content that relates to his audience. And he gets compensated for putting their content in front of his audience. I will come back to this later as it's a common thread among podcasters. And we heard Hilda talk about how it's hard to find sponsors because, well, it is. And that's the same here for Doug. It says, Doug is finding sponsors this way, but faces the challenges that all podcasters face. Many companies don't understand the power of podcasting. He often suggests that instead of spending thousands of dollars on writing a report that really nobody's going to see or read, and he said, that's not an exaggeration. He says, take that money that in this case, they're going to probably use on like a white paper or something like that. And put that content out as a podcast in front of an already established audience. And while fiscal sponsorship may only work for a small number of podcasters, if you're a podcasting and you're podcasting for a cause, you may want to investigate a fiscal sponsor. Thus ends the reading of page 18 and 19 from Profit From Your Podcast. You can find this book at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com. Soon to be an audiobook. That's one of my goals when I get back from Podcast Movement. You heard Hilda say that she is teaching people how to podcast and she's thinking of starting a membership site. And as somebody who's been doing that for 17 years, that's why I was like, hey, Hilda, good luck, because it's a lot harder than it looks to get people to sign up. But if you're a person that's a podcaster and you have people asking, hey, how did you learn? Did you know? that you can actually earn income by referring people to the School of Podcasting. You can sign up to be an affiliate at schoolofpodcasting.com slash affiliates, and you'll get a special link. And when somebody uses your link to sign up, you earn 20% of that sale, and that stays every single month that the person stays subscribed. For more information, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash affiliates. It's free to sign up. And again, it's reoccurring income for every person that stays subscribed. I'll have a link in the show description. 
Speaking of the book, Profit from Your Podcast, one strategy that I sometimes get confused on is where you interview your potential customer. I've seen people that have done this. I know we used to have an actor that was at the School of Podcasting, and I said, maybe you should start interviewing casting directors because you can start to build your relationship with these people as well as find out what they're looking for since actors was his primarily uh, target audience like that. Kim Newlove over at the Pharmacist Voice, I said, maybe start interviewing people who would hire you for a voiceover person. So that is a strategy. And I had an interview with Toby Goodman. He's the author of the book, Narrow Podcasting. Here's a clip from our interview. Listeners will invest in you proportionate to the amount of trust you earn. And that's not just money, that's time. Because I asked him, I'm like, wait, what about the listener if you're just trying to get a client? And there's more to it about that. He has criteria for how he picks his guests. You can subscribe to the School of Podcasting by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, or if you want, schoolofpodcasting.com slash follow, and you'll see the common links there for the podcast. You click on it, subscribe. It's absolutely free, and you can unsubscribe anytime you want. I'm Dave Jackson. I help podcasters. It's what I do. If you want to sign up for the School of Podcasting, go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start and use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And don't forget, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.